Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Morning. And uh, happy uh, Labor Day to you. It's good to see you here. Uh, we got a couple things before we go into our time of teaching. First of all, my name's Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at the Church of Rocky Peak. And if you're here for the very first time, I uh, want to welcome you. Inside your program is a, a message note sheet we use every week. We'll definitely be using that today, so you want to pull that out uh, to get ready. Uh, but just a couple things before we get started. Very cool. Uh, you know, last couple weeks we've been uh, doing our, our fall recruiting. We do it a couple times a year for children's ministry uh, here. And we had a tremendous response for the three services. We had over 80 people. Uh, step up to join that team. And so, uh, man, it gets me excited, you know, because part of being a a passionate Christ follower is our vision is serving sacrificially. And just one of my prayers is every one of us that calls Rocky Peak home would find at least one place here to say, hey, I'm not just a consumer. I'm part of the team. I'm part of the movement. I want to plug in. I want to help serve. And so, for those of you who stepped up for that, thank you for doing that. Just want to encourage you to follow through with that. You've, you may have been contacted already. If not, you'll be contacted soon. And so the, there's a process you go through, online registration and all, background checks to make sure that we protect uh, our kids from some of you. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so it's, uh, but there's some training that comes and all that. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, you made the commitment to, to, to get involved, explore. So I just want to encourage you to follow that through, kind of go through that process, and we'll get you in there and serving and make a difference in the life for kids uh, as soon as possible. And then secondly, just want to highlight for that, that uh, Tim mentioned the movement course that starts next weekend. That's for if you want to become what we call, we call a partner here at Rocky Peak. A lot of churches call it membership. We don't, we don't call it, we don't have members here because you know how it is. We've all been at one point in our time, in our life, uh, members of a gym, but all that means is that we pay a lot of money and we never go. And so uh, we're not looking for members here. We're looking for partners, people who really want to enter in this lifestyle of passion of Christ's follower. And so if you, if you want to become a partner, that's the way you do it. But also for those of you brand new and just checking out the church, want to learn more about our vision, values, strategies, great, great way just to get oriented, all right? So we're going to go into our time of teaching now, assuming that you're all ready to go. You all set? Good. Let's go. Let's pray. God, we're just so thankful to be here on this weekend and to celebrate what you're doing in our lives. So we just want to give you this time. Uh, we love you and we're so excited to be uh, your followers. That you've, you've called us through Christ, this whole new life. And, and today as we talk about this important topic of correction, how you come into our life and you do mid-course corrections to get us onto the path of life or back on, we pray you give us ears to hear and we uh, pray you just be with us in a, in a really powerful, significant way now as we come into your word. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, well, the story today uh, begins, I was in my mid-20s, and I'd been teaching at this Christian high school, kind of a small Christian high school, and kind of moved into administration, leadership, uh, dean of students, uh, and I'd been doing that for the last two or three years. And during that time, Lynn and I started kind of attending this very small little church that was getting started, they had a brand new pastor, and, and he and I become friends, and so every, every Friday afternoon, we would get together and share our lives. And so it's just... Uh, just building, you know, a relationship, accountability, or whatever. Every Friday after school, get over about three, I drive over to his place. Had this nice deck uh, that kind of a second-story deck off of his upstairs office. We'd go out there, cold beverage, and just share our lives, what God's doing, what we're learning, challenges we're facing, have some prayer together, spend a couple hours. And so we built a pretty close friendship. And so one of the things that I've been dealing with the, the last couple of years is when I was hired on at this school, they shared with me the vision and the values. This is what the school's about. Here's where we're going. And it was like really a great match. And so, so I join on, I'm excited, but it doesn't take me long to get in this school to realize that the vision, the values that were stated, it's not really what was happening. And so as I began to rise in leadership and had more influence, I was beginning to try to exert any influence I had to get us on track with that stated vision and values, which was often leading me into conflict with the, leader structures, uh, the leadership structures there who, who that weren't really in, in line with that vision and values. And so every week we'd meet, we'd be sharing our lives. It was a common topic. I would talk about the latest drama I was going through at the school, who was signing petitions against me, um, you know, that kind of a thing, and uh, the revolts in different areas. But um, so, so anyway, uh, every week I'd be sharing this with him, and, and in general, we were pretty much in lockstep on that. Uh, he's a, he a, a gifted leader. Uh, uh, he was a few years older than me, really had a lot of respect for him. And often we talk about direction, vision, values, where it needs to be going, decisions. He would typically be very supportive and and, and just very uh, kind of on the same page. And that's probably why on this particular day, when he turned to me and said what he said, it took me totally by surprise. <laughs> well, today we're continuing this series that we've been in for the last, what, summer, for the most summer, eight, nine weeks, something like that. 
It's a series in Proverbs, and for those of you who are brand new, we just want to welcome you. We're glad you're here. We just hope that God meets you in a significant and powerful way today. Uh, but this series is, is on Proverbs, and one of the reasons that, like, if you're not familiar with Proverbs, Proverbs is a very practical book. It's one of the kind of favorite books in the Bible for many people because it is so practical. And so like the last few weeks, we've been looking at practical topic and practical time. We talked about relationships and, and how they work. We've talked about the power of our words and the impact that our words have. We've talked about our sexuality. Last week, we talked about the workplace and how God's designed us to operate in the workplace. And so today we come to a topic that I'm calling mid-course corrections. And honestly, it's one of my favorite topics in all of Proverbs, one of the most like, profound teachings, I think, of the whole uh, book. And we'll get into that in a minute. But what we're going to do today, let me just set it up. We're going to do kind of two or three things. First of all, we're going to lay out the big picture principle, the core principle about correction that, that Salma wants us to get kind of corrections of path to life. We're going to talk about that. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about three sources of correction, how God sends correction into our life when we're off track. And then finally, we want to end up with a couple questions about how, how open are we to God's correction, uh, uh, you know, because it's one of the key ways he directs us. So there in your note sheet, there's a section. Let's jump in. It says, uh, Correction 101, the core concept. And so let me just lay it out. This is a big picture principle that Solomon wants us to get. And it goes like this, that correction is the path to life, right? So, uh, in this series, we've, we've learned over and over again that there is a path to life, there's a path to death. The key to our success is to learn to choose wisely. But what Solomon's going to say today is that for all of us, sometimes deliberately, sometimes inadvertently, we get off the path to life and we find ourselves in the path to death. Now, sometimes it's by our choice. Sometimes God says, this is the way, and we say, I don't want to go that way. I think I know a better way. I'm going to do a little off-roading on my own path, take a little shortcut to life. I, I think I've got this wired. And so sometimes we deliberately and knowingly, we get off the path of life and we disobey and we go on the path of death. Other times it's inadvertent. I don't know if you've had this experience, but it's happened to me many times. Uh, if you drive with me in a car, hot tip is make sure I remember where we're going. Because I always do this. I get into conversation with you, and I'm just, like, enjoying this conversation. Pretty soon I'm going 60 miles an hour, you know, and, and like, we've missed the cutoff. And so many times in my life I've found myself I'm on the wrong road. Now, I didn't in intentionally make the wrong uh, choice. I didn't intentionally get off the wrong exit or go the wrong way in the freeway. Right? It just kind of happened. And sometimes in life it can be like that. You're, you're not raising your kids like you do because you think it's the wrong way. It's because you really think it's the right way. You're not handling your finances because you're choosing to be disobedient. It's just, it's just the way you think. It's, you're not handling your sexuality because you're trying to be rebellious. It's just because that's what seems best. And so but the point is, whether it's kind of deliberate disobedience or whether it's just inadvertent blind spot, that, that what Solomon's going to say is that throughout life, we're going to find ourselves in our marriages, in our relationship, we're going to find ourselves on the wrong path. And that, that what God does is that he comes in, he's going to send correction into our life, and then it's critical how we respond to this correction because if we don't respond well, we're going to end up on the path to death. But if we respond well, it'll be the path to life. And so, uh, so there on your note sheet, an example of this teaching in Proverbs Proverbs chapter 6, this father, ideal father, talking to his son, and he says, son, the corrections of discipline. And notice that in Proverbs, the words correction, the word discipline, the word rebuke, they're all like in the same family, all right? So he says, the corrections of discipline are the way to what? Life. So in other words, God is going to correct you in your life. You can count on this. He's going to bring people into your life. He, he's going to bring situations in your life. He's going to speak into your life through his word and his Holy Spirit, uh, maybe prophetically. It could be a variety of ways. God is going to speak at times correction into your life. But catch this. It, the key to your life is how you respond to that correction when it comes. Okay, and so what we want to do now is, is kind of stand back and say, well, so how is God going to bring that correction into your life? And there's three main sources that we see in Proverbs. So let's go to this next section. It's called Mid-Course Correction, how God gets us back on track when we're off, and three main sources. Here's number one. First source is people. That, that God is often going to bring people into our life who are going to speak words of truth in our life that's going to help us see that we're off track and we need to get back on track. Now, let me say this, that not everyone who comes into your life with an opinion is from God. <laughs> right? Like, we all have people in our life that they just have their own agenda, 
They, they are projecting their issues onto us. That uh, They have a skewed perspective. And so I want to be real clear here. I'm not saying that everyone who comes into your life with a message from God is really from God. That sometimes it might be a message from them or the dark side or whatever. So, so what I'm saying is we, we, have, we have to learn to weigh this. Right? It's like when someone brings a word of criticism or critique or suggestion or commentary or what into your life, that we have to weigh it. We have to take it before God. We have to say, God, this is what's been said. Is that true about me? We, we have to maybe go to some other trusted friends or trusted wise people in our life and say, this is what they're saying about it. Does that ring true? Have you seen it? So are you with me in this? So, so all day today as we talk about this, I'm not saying that everyone who's got an opinion about you is right. Okay? So we're going to have to weigh it. But having said that, one of the messages that Proverbs has over and over again is that one of the ways God uses to get us back on track is, is, is when we're getting off, is he brings people who speak truth into our life. And so it could be a spouse. It could be a co-worker. It could be someone in your life group. It could be a boss. It could be your child, son, or a daughter. But God's going to bring people into your life that, that speak into your life. So let me give you an example. We started the day with this story, right? And so, so I typically go over to this buddy's house, and, and we share a life for a couple hours. Typically, we're out on the balcony uh, uh, with this cold drink. But, but now, this, this time, we, all right, I keep mentioning that. But anyway, we, uh, this, we keep <laughs> mentioning that I was at someone's house last night, and based off last week's service, they were saying, we all have an opinion on what your favorite drink was, this cold drink uh, by the beach. Remember, we talked about work if you're on the beach, you know, and so they had all taken bets on what my favorite, so I won't tell you, but anyway. Um, so anyway, we're, this particular day, though, instead of being out on the balcony, we were in his front yard, and I just I can picture this. We're out in this balcony, and we're out in the front yard, and he was, like, picking some weeds from his grass, and so we were just kind of talking there on the grass. And so, so I'm just laying out, you know, my week and just describing like I normally do how lame this school is and how stupid it is and I can't believe it. Why can't we get on track? And why don't they see that you can't have a vision and values and not be true to it and you're just going to be always kind of, you're never going to be clear what your target is. You'll, you'll hear it, hit it every time. And, and I'm just going on and on, just kind of giving the recent update. And, and like I said, he's always been supportive, right? And he's just a great friend and he's a really smart guy and I respect him a lot. And all of a sudden, he turns to me, and just like deer in the headlights, he, he turns to me and he says, Mike, you know, the problem with you. Now, hot tip. When someone looks you in the eye and says, the problem with you, it's probably not going to be a fun moment. Like, what's about to happen? It's just by, it's hot tip. Like, if anyone says, the problem with you, just those words are enough to like, oh, no, I'm in for it. That he, he looks me in the eye, this trusted friend, and he says, the problem with you is sometimes you come across as so arrogant. <laughs> uh, wow, like deer in the headlights, like, like laser beam dot on the head. You know, like open up your heart, arrow, insert arrow. I mean... It's just like, um, here, as your friend, I've got something to give to you. I'll be open up. I got a knife. <laughs> you know, just uh, like, oh, I'm just bleeding. And, and you know, the, the moment he said it, can I tell you something? The moment he said it, I knew he was absolutely right. Like the moment he said it, I, I knew that there was a blind spot. I wasn't, if you would have asked me, hey, do you think you are arrogant? I would have said, no. Like, like, we don't go around in our life like this, right? We don't go around like, I've got a problem with pride, and I'm proud of it. Like, we don't, it's like, <laughs> we don't, you know, we, we don't go around like, I have a lack of compassion, and I don't care what you think. I mean, we, this, is not, this is not the way we do it. Like, we, if we knew we had a problem, we would address the problem, right? And so there's this blind spot, but as my friend, he, he can just see it. I, I think he'd been waiting months to deliver that blow, right? And, and so the moment he said it, I knew he was absolutely right. See, I hadn't learned that lesson yet. I'm still learning this lesson. But I hadn't learned that lesson yet, my mid-20s, that sometimes in life there's something more important than being right. And that, that's loving other people. Right? That, that in our life, there's very few things that we cannot compromise the truth on. Like, we don't compromise the truth of who Jesus is and the, the gospel. Like, we don't compromise that, right? Just, but, 
but the Bible teaches in most areas that even if you're right, it's like more important that you love than you're always right about everything. And so I hadn't learned that. And so, so he, just, he just nailed me. And the moment he said it, I knew he was 100% right. And it just like an arrow to my heart. And it was a deep wound, but it was a wound of a friend, right? And the wound of a friend is trusted. And so what happened is about a year and a half later, I got fired from that job. Um, and it was, I, I believe it was totally because of my arrogance. And can I tell you something? Oh, they, they didn't say I was fired. They said we were uh, reorganizing, uh, <laughs> But afterwards, everything looked the same except for my role. So, uh, and then a year later, they reinstated my role. And so let's, let's move on. Uh, but, but I tell you, that combination, the combination of someone having the courage to speak truth into my life and then paying the price for my arrogance, it made a deep impact on my life. I mean, I will never forget that day, and, and I will always be so grateful to this friend. It was one of the greatest gifts anyone's ever given me. And I tell you, it, it wounded me at a deep level, but as God began to heal that wound, um, I, I tell you what, when I entered in the next position, and there was a new humility in my life, there was a new love for people in my life, and, and it kind of paved the way for my future success in that next role. I was in the next role for over 20 years, right? and so it paved the way. So are, are you with The corrections of discipline are the path to life. And so sometimes God's going to bring people into our life to speak a word of truth and, and that uh, how we uh, respond to that is so critical. You know, during that same era of my life, early 20s, I was really driven. I just really wanted to understand how to become a, a wise person because it was just so clear that the path to life is, is, you know, wisdom leads to life. And so how do you become a wise person? And I remember in my early 20s doing a, a major study on Proverbs, just tearing that book apart, categorizing it all, putting all the same similar verses. Like, what does it take to become a wise person? And I was so surprised because one of the lessons I learned that took me by surprise is up to that point in my life, and maybe you're this way too, I've always thought of it like this, that there's some people in life that are wiser than others. They're just kind of born that way. And that so the mark of a wise person is they just, they're just kind of born that way and we all do the best with what we've got, but that's kind of it. You know, we just kind of get what we get. But what I learned from Proverbs as I studied it is, no, the mark of a wise person is not that they were born that way. The mark of a wise person is that they were so smart they never made mistakes. That's not the mark of a wise person. According to Proverbs, the mark of a wise person is that they are open to correction and that when they fail, they are willing to learn from their failure and be open to that. And that's how they became a wise person. They weren't born a wise person. They, they became, so think of your lives. Who are the people that speak into your life? You know, whether it's parents or it's friends or spouse and, and are we open to that? So there in your note sheet, let's kind of give you some examples from Proverbs. Proverbs 15, I love this one. Proverbs 15, he who listens to a what? Okay, that was weak. <laughs> Life giving rebuke. He listens, let's say it together. He gives to a life-giving rebuke. Let's say it again. A life-giving rebuke. There's some rebukes that produce death in us, but there are some that are life-giving rebuke. And the reason they're life-giving is because we're on the path to death. We don't even know it or we do know it well, either way. And, and this rebuke comes and it gets us back on the path of life. And so it, it gives us life. So it says, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. In other words, how do you get wise? By listening to life-giving rebukes. But he who ignores discipline, catch this, he despises himself. And so if we're a person that really can't be told anything by anybody, we're really destroying our own life. But whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Proverbs 19, listen to advice and accept instruction, and then in the end you will be what? Right, so catch this. What happens if you don't listen to advice and you don't listen to instruction? In the end you become what? A fool, right? Uh, next one, here's the one I mentioned earlier. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies uh, kisses. And so, so the first area that, that Proverbs said, here's the first source of, of God's discipline. He brings people into our life who can see areas where we're off track and they speak into our life and it's critical how we respond to that, that's, that word. Okay, number two. The second source is God himself. The Proverbs teaches that, that God is like a father and one of the, 
one of the roles of a great father is not only to love his kids, not only teach his kids, but also to discipline or correct his kids. And so this discipline comes in a couple different ways in our life. Uh, you may want to write this down. There are direct, there's direct and indirect ways that God disciplines us. Um, uh, by direct ways is where God speaks into our life directly through his word or through his Holy Spirit, through a dream, through a prophetic word. He, he, de- he delivers a direct message. You're out of line. You need to change, okay? Uh, there's indirect ways where God will often bring hard times and painful circumstances into our life to change our direction, correct our direction. So what we're going to do is on point number two, we're going to talk about the direct ways that God disciplines us. Point number three, we're going to talk about the indirect, the, the way how he uses hard times. So, so this one, let's, let's talk about direct. There in your note sheet, there's this verse from Proverbs 3. It says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. So he's t- his father's kind of uh, counseling his son. It's probably his teenage son. On the path of life, he says, he says son, um, there's going to be times in your life where God disciplines you, not people. God disciplines you. And when that happens, you need to be very sure, that, be very careful. You don't despise it. You don't reject it. Because it's possible, right, when God brings discipline in our life, we get angry. We don't like it. We don't want to hear that. We makes us mad. And so he says, don't make that mistake. He said, the reason is because the, the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So when I think of a great parent, there's three marks to me of a great parent. And, and Proverbs talks with this, that the great parent does three things. Loves his kid unconditionally. He loves him passionately. Uh, instructs his kid in, intentionally in the path of life. And then he corrects him. Uh, consistently, when, he, when he's got three marks of a great parent. And God is the greatest parent. He's the parent of parents. And so, so he's going to love us. He's going to instruct us. But he's also going to correct us. So he says to his son, when God's correcting you, don't think he doesn't like you. When God's bringing pain in your life, it's not because he doesn't love you. It's because he does love you and he wants to get you back on track. Now, uh, so let's talk about how God corrects us. Well, sometimes very directly. One, uh, one of the ways he corrects us is through his word. This is probably the most consistent way that God corrects us. Like, like we gather every week here and we spend a lot of time studying his word. Why? Because we're looking for God to correct us, Right? Like today, like there's some of you here that on a scale of 1 to 10 that you are not real strong in terms of being open to correction from others. That for whatever reason, when someone corrects you, you are very quick to get defensive. Uh, you're very quick to get reactive. You may go on the attack. Well, what about you? Uh, you may, may withdraw from that relationship. Like I never liked that person anyway. I don't want to be friends with them anymore. Uh, you may ignore it, but, but the, for a lot of us here, in my, the, probably the reality is we all struggle with this. We all struggle with correction. And, and so, but here's what Proverbs is telling This is the path to life, right? So what are we doing here today? We're gathering around God's word, and it's correcting us. It's saying, I know that naturally you don't like to be corrected, but you need to learn how to embrace this because you'll never become the person God wants you to be unless you learn how to receive correction. And so what are we doing today? The word of God is correcting us. And that can happen in your personal life. It can happen where where God speaks as you're personally reading the word. It can happen in your life group when someone shares the insight from scripture. It happens here in the weekend services all the time. And so there in your note sheet, um, in... uh, the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 3, a very famous passage, I put it in the New Living Translation, all scripture, so the Bible, all scripture is inspired by God, it's like a supernatural book, and it's useful to teach us what is true, so, so when we study the word, it's telling us, this is the truth about life, this is the truth about you, this is the truth about God, this is the truth about how life works, and so remember, Jesus said that you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right? And so, so he says, the word is given to go to the truth. And he says, and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives, it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. And so one of the ways God speaks, and you, you've had this experience, right? You're reading the word, and, and all of a sudden, there's just a passage begins to come off the page at you. It just comes alive, and it begins to speak. And there's an area of your life it's addressing hey, that relationship, that guy you're dating, you, you should not be dating him, right? Uh, you're married. No, I'm well, uh, 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 Those shows you're watching, uh, it's just, and 
uh, the way you're handling your finances, the way you spoke to your wife this morning, and you're just reading the word, and the Holy Spirit begins to take that word, and it becomes not just a word in general, it becomes a word to you, right? It becomes a direct word of God to you, and we probably all experience that. Uh, that, that can happen in, in a service here. All the time I'll have people say, it doesn't really matter if Dave teaching or Joel teaching or me, but man, when they're delivering the message, I felt like it was just for me. Well, what's happening is God is taking his word and it's becoming a direct word to you. And so God is he's correcting you and saying, it's not this way, it's this way. Um, sometimes it's not through his word, it's through a direct uh, work of his Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said that when we become a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit comes into us to lead us and mentor us, and, and he would convict us, and he would lead us into truth, right, those kind of things. And so, so you've had that experience, I'm sure, where there's an area of your life where you're, you're kind of heading down a path, and the Holy Spirit's like going, don't go there. Don't go there. And he's warning us. And, and if we continue going there, he, he continues the pressure, and he ups the pressure, right? And, and so the Holy Spirit can speak in so a variety of ways and say, this is not right, or this is, and he's correcting us. And so what I'm saying is that there's many times in our life where God will reach into our life, and by his word or by his spirit, he corrects us. And it's critical how we respond to that. Do we blow him off? Do we resist it? Do we pretend it's not happening? Do we rationalize? Or do we say, oh, my father who loves me passionately, my father's warning me I'm on the path to death. And so he, he, he loves me, and, and I'm the apple of his eye, and I need to, this is painful to break off that relationship, to make that change, to do this priority. It's hard, but, but I'm not going to receive that, uh, that he doesn't love me, but it's an act of his love. Okay? Now, a third way, then, a third source of criticism, uh, or, or uh, of correction, rather, is hard times. That, that one of the ways God gets us back on track when we're off is through hard times. Now, now let me, I'm going to divide this one out too, all right? Because, because sometimes God brings hard times into our life when we're being deliberately disobedient. And when we will not heed the gentler way, when he will not heed the gentler way, he will pull out the rod, right? And, and, and you get to feel the switch. And, and now he's got our attention. And so the whole, the, God, I think, typically will try to, to warn us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through our conscience, don't go that way. But, but if we continue to go and we're in great danger, he will often bring pain into our lives. And, and you see this in the Bible all the time. The nation of Israel, for example, when they would rebel against God, you know, all of a sudden the rain stops coming, uh, the, the, the crops stop growing, uh, their enemies start attacking, they, stop, they, start, they start losing battles instead of winning battles, their culture begins falling apart. And, and what are these, these gods bringing pain in their life in order to get their attention and get them back on track? And that can happen in our lives, right? Like, like I know that, I, I've talked to many of you, that, you know, it's like you knew you were going down the wrong path, and, and yet, man, it's just like pretty soon, it's like your life is getting painful. And it's like well, you, you lose your job. And I'm not saying, obviously, if you lose your job, that you're being under discipline. So we'll see why in a minute God uses that for positive ways. But, but, but you may lose your job. Uh, your relationships start breaking apart. You, there's a health issue. And then God has a way, you know, refrigerator breaks, you know, the, the pipes in the backyard. But he's like, you just like all of a sudden, no, I'm not saying that's always from God. Right? I'm not saying it's always from him disciplining you. But there's times where it is. And he's saying, like, hey, your life is not going to go well until you turn around here. And so, so many of us probably have stories. That's how we came to Christ, or that's how we grew, because our life was falling apart, right? And so God's disciplining and bringing it back. But sometimes these hard times, and this is really important to catch, it's not because you're being disobedient. It's because there's an area of character weakness in your life that God knows about and you don't know about, and that through the hard time, he is gonna surface so he can grow you in that area. Okay, much like a coach would often kind of put his team through painful drills to reveal something and develop them for their future. For example, you may think that you're an extremely patient person. That may be your self-perception, and then God brings a really difficult person in your life, and you find out, oh, I, I wasn't as patient as I thought. He was like, yeah, I, I knew that. I knew that. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to grow you in that area. And so a uh, great example of this is in the New Testament 
And it's so interesting because the, the writer you quotes Proverbs 3, the passage we just looked at. And so let me, let me kind of frame this up. Uh, Hebrews 12, the, the letter of the Hebrews is written to some Jewish Christ followers who have recently converted to Christ. And, and as Christians now, they're being persecuted by their Jewish community they came out of. And so they're being tempted to stop following Jesus and go back to their old Judaism to avoid further persecution. And, and so the writer says, no, you can't do that. I know this is really hard. I know you're being persecuted, but you need to look at this persecution, this hard times, not as though God doesn't love you, but as a sign of his affection that he does because he's developing your faith and he's developing your endurance. And so you need to look at this like God sees an issue in your life, a lack of faith, a lack of endurance, a lack of toughness that he wanted to work on, and that's why he's allowing this. And so you think of this in, in our lives, that like when we go through times, for example, uh, of hard times, have you ever noticed like when you go through a hard time of suffering, have you ever noticed how afterwards it creates a new compassion for those who are suffering, uh, especially for those who are suffering with what you're going through? I was having uh, lunch a week or, just last week, week or so ago, with a, a ministry leader in this area, and uh, we had never met before, and so we were just getting to know each other, and we'd been together a couple hours, but at the end of it, we were just like, well, tell me about your family, and so I'm just kind of giving them a quick rundown of my family, and one of the things I just mentioned, a lot of you know that my daughter, my youngest daughter, has Lyme disease, and she's struggled with that for about 13 years, and, and so it's been a big issue in our life, and so uh, in a meeting like this, I usually don't go into that, I just kind of throw it out there because it, it, it impacts other things, you know, and so... Uh, so I just mentioned real quickly that, that she, you know, struggles with Lyme disease, and I'm ready to go on. And most people are normally at a table like that, like, oh, that's interesting, next. And so, uh, but I mentioned this to, to him, and, and all of a sudden, his, this guy leans across the table and says, can you tell me more about that? And, and uh, I'm looking kind of like, well, that's kind of weird. And then he showed, um, my wife and I have Lyme disease, would you share your story with me? I'd really love to hear your story. And so now it's like, okay, uh, rewind. We're going, this whole conversation is going another direction, right? Because, because we have a connection there that we, we've both been there. And isn't that the way it is? Like, like, for example, some of you are single and you desperately want to be married and it's just you don't understand why God hasn't brought the right person in your life. And, 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 and that just shapes you and it drives you to God and, and it it, it, it leads you to a new level of surrender. And as you grow, that, that, then all of a sudden you meet someone else who's struggling with that same issue. And your heart goes out, doesn't it? It's like you, you know that pain. Some of you have gone through a very painful divorce. And there's something about you meet someone else who's going through that. Maybe no fault of their own. They don't even want it, but their husband's leaving them for someone else. And you've been there and you felt that pain. And, and man, your heart, you just connect, Right? Why? Because God shaped your heart through that. He, he's used that hard time to develop his compassion in you. Some of you have, have gone through or are going through a bout with cancer. And, and everyone I've ever known who's gone through this, there is a connection between cancer survivors. And there is a connection between someone who has cancer and someone who has survived that or is going through it. And there's an instant connection there. And, and there's ability. And, and see, so, so here's what I want you to catch. You look back over your life it, and the things God has taken you through, the hard times, and the compassion he's created in you, or, or the faith he's given you, those, the time when you were out of work for nine months, and you didn't know how you are going to pay the bills, and life was, and then God provided at the end, and he brought you through that, and all of a sudden, he's changed you, and he's created faith in you through that, hasn't he? And so, so this is what the writer is saying. But look what he does. He goes back to Proverbs and talk about how this is one of the ways God disciplines us. So here we go. In uh, Chapter 12 of Hebrews, he says, And you, writing to Christ followers, you've forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And so he quotes Proverbs chapter 3. So here we go. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as son. Now, now here's the thing. I want you to catch this. Normally we read that, and what we read is, when we are out of line and living in disobedience, God will discipline us because he loves us. That's what we read. But here's what's so profound about this passage. What the Hebrew writer is saying is this persecution you're going through for doing the right thing is God's discipline in your life. You see that? See the difference? He says that they're doing the right thing. They're following Jesus. That's why they're going through hard times. But he says you need to look at that as God's discipline in your life 
his correction. He is developing a new capacity to follow Jesus through this hard thing you're going through. It's an act of his love. And so notice what he says. He says, endure hardship. And remember, their hardship was persecution. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? And if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and what? And live the path to life, you see? And he says, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our what? For our good that we may share in his what? Holy. So the whole purpose of following Jesus is to become like Jesus. We talk about that here a lot. And he says, this persecution you're going through, it's, look at it as discipline. God is, is creating capacity in you. He's using this pain to shape you and to make holiness, to make you like his son, to transform you. And he says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. You know, you're out of work. You're going through health issues. You've got problems. Whatever. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so, and so let's stand back then and see where we've come so far today. There's a path to life. There's a path to death. Every one of us in this room at times will get off the path to life and onto the path of death. Not, and sometimes deliberately, sometimes inadvertently. When that happens, God will send discipline, correction into your life, sometimes through people, sometimes himself, through his word, spirit, or through hard times. And when that discipline comes, it's incredibly important how we respond because correction is the path to life. Okay, so that's where we've come. Now we get to where rubber meets the road. Now the question is, okay, so in your life, how do you respond to correction? Like, like in your life, are you a person that's open to God's correction and therefore he will be able to shape you and mold you and change you or are you a person not open to correction? So there in your note sheet, there's a section called Mid-Course Corrections, How Open Are You? I'm gonna ask two very simple questions. I'd like you to do some honest evaluation of your heart. You don't have to show it to anyone else, but I'd actually like you to rate yourself on a score of one to five. A five would be that you're doing great and this very open to correction, right? Uh, a four would be uh, doing pretty well. I just need to continue learning this lesson. A three would be, man, I'm really mediocre. It's like sometimes I do well, sometimes not. Two is, this is a definite problem in my life. Number one, I am the poster child for the rebel, <laughs> right? Like I am the poster child for don't try to tell me what to do. Do not try to speak. Like, Mind your own business, God. Uh, you know, just like I am on my own, right? So, so you would be the poster your child for failure uh, or the fool. Uh, so uh, now, before you rate yourself, because some of you are like, oh, I'm a five right there. Uh, wait till I get done with you, all right? So here we go. Uh, number one, uh, first question is, how open are you to correction from others? The first question, can others speak into your life? Can they bring correction? Now, as we've seen today, I want to highlight this again. Again, not everyone who speaks into your life a word of criticism or correction is on track. Sometimes it's their own issues. I get that. Their own projection. So we've already talked. We've got to weigh it. But, but the question is, is, how open are you to someone coming into your life and, and just having an honest conversation? There's an area of your life I'm concerned with, and, and, and here's what I'm seeing. And are you open to receiving that? Are you open to weighing that? Are you open to really praying through that and talking with those who know you best or people you respect and say, this is what's being said. Uh, do you think that's true about me? Have you said, so how open? So are you open to that? Or the opposite would be that when someone brings a word of critique or suggestion or advice or criticism, whatever, that instantly you go into a defense mode. You, you kind of reject that. You reject them. You may attack them. Well, what about you? I don't know. You, you're no better. Uh, or here's a classic one. We withdraw from the relationship. Like I said, you know, I never liked you anyway. And so we are the, we're done with this relationship. So uh, how, how open? Now let me get more specific. So I really want to kind of mess with you a little bit. Um, <laughs> and so at this point, uh, uh, if you're married, at this point, uh, from this point on in the message, uh, elbows, uh, this is the appropriate position, elbows in, 
uh, hands up in a, in a posture of openness and worship, right? Uh, your elbows start going out towards your spouse. Uh, uh, that is not from God. That is from the evil one, all right? So, uh, so, so for example, if, you know, a question here. Like, in your marriage, um, is your spouse able to speak into your life and raise concerns about, about who you are or your direction? Now, I'm not talking about being a nag. I'm not talking about uh, attacking you, whatever. But, but can you have an honest conversation with your spouse, your spouse can come to you and they can talk very practically about, hey, the way you're spending money, uh, your priorities, how much time uh, you're spending on the job, uh, the way you're parenting your children, the way you deal with your mother. Uh, you know, just, yeah, I know that's asking a lot, but, um, um, you know, like, are, is your spouse uh, work ethic, is your spouse able to come to you and say, uh, hey, I've, I've got a concern. Can we have an honest conversation about this area of your life? Like, are you able to receive that? Are, are you able to receive that? Or you go into a defensive posture. Uh, what about your kids? This is great. You know, sometimes our kids are extremely insightful, uh, right? Like, I, I, you know, when, uh, you know, I remember our first daughter was young. She's like four years old. And she's telling Lynn, uh, hey, you don't have your seatbelt on. You know, it's like, let's get going here, you know? Uh, 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 one time I killed a rattlesnake at a, a state park and she was about freaking out. Thought I was going to go for jail. That's illegal, dad. I'm like, well, I'm, yeah, yeah, but it's worse to let it bite you. So I'm just going to kill it. Uh, and so uh, our kids, they see us at our best and they see us at our worst. And often our kids will be very insightful. And so we, we teach our kids, here's how to live and here's how to do things. And, and sometimes we don't walk that walk or they're confused about something. And so the question is, can your kids speak into your life? Now, now, I'm not saying be disrespectful, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that. Uh, as parents, it's our role most of the time to lead, to direct, to teach, to correct. But, and so, but that's not what they're normally going to do. But, but are there times when your kids can, can question you? Right? And it, it, can you learn from your children? And this is a, this is a great question. Um, I remember uh, right before we came to Rocky Peak, which was now about six and a half years ago, uh, it was just a month or two before we came, and Lynn came to me and said, you know, I'd really love, before we go up there, I know it's going to be crazy when, when we get up there, crazy busy, uh, I would love to get our family together, and at this point, my, my youngest daughter was away at college, my, my oldest daughter was already married, they're out on their own, and so Lynn and I were kind of empty nest, and she said, I would love to get our family together, I'd like to go up to Julian, which is a little mountain town that we would often go to as a family, uh, and, and get a cabin there, and just kind of be together for a week, and just connect relationally before we go into this new era of our life. And so I said, that sounds like a great idea, and so we invited the kids, and we all, we all went up there. So we've been there a couple days, and... Uh, and so this, this one afternoon, uh, it's a beautiful afternoon, and there's this, this kind of wood swing set outside made for two. And my, my youngest daughter, who's home from college, uh, she, she and I are sitting in the swing set. And so, so I'll never forget it. You know, we're, we're sitting there, and uh, we're swinging along and just kind of chatting, kind of catching up. And she turns to me and says, hey, Dad, I just have a question for you. How are you and Mom doing in your marriage? <laughs> I'm like, did you change majors or something? Like... <laughs> Going into psychology now or, because just let me say, the problems you have are your problems. They're not my problem. I'm just saying, no. <laughs> uh, so so uh, I said, well, it kind of took me back. She'd never asked me a question. I said, well, good, I think. I mean, let me think. Uh, yeah, good. We're doing good. Um, and and I, think, I think we're really doing well. And she said, well, the reason I ask is because I've just noticed the last couple of days you've really been snipping at mom quite a bit. And it was so funny because um, that very morning I'd been out on a prayer walk and I'd been talking with God about this. Like, like I don't know what's with me, but the last couple of days it seems like I'm kind of irritable. I'm sure no one else has noticed. Um, <laughs> but I've kind of been nipping at Lynn and, and, and I'm just really, you know, I don't want to do that. It's just kind of forgive me for that and just help me to do that. I'm sure no one else has seen or no one else has felt the thing, but, but probably, you know, just could you just help me with that? And so I, I think I have an issue, and it's just a very small little issue, very small issue, uh, probably only in my very sensitive heart, you know, am I, <laughs> I aware, you know, no one else would even, even, even have a clue, you know, that, that there was even an issue, but, but God, I want to be perfectly clean, you know. So, uh, so anyway, and so now my daughter's on the swing, and she's calling me out, right? <laughs> and she was like right on the money, right on the money, and can I tell you something? As a dad, it was a great moment. It was like, 
and you live for that. You live for your kids to raise them, love God, love people, be wise people, and be able to speak into your life, right? And, and so it was, a, it was a beautiful moment. So can, can our kids speak into our life? And I tell you something, when our kids can't speak into our life, when our kids can't, that what very subtly we're teaching them a lesson. And that lesson is do what I say, not what I do. We have a double standard in this family. We teach one thing and we live another, and that's fine to be a hypocrite in your life. We've just taught them a lesson that we don't have to even walk all that through. They don't have to walk, they can figure that out. But what they figure is hypocrisy is acceptable in this family. And so what a powerful moment we can, we can say to our, our child, uh, you know, I, I think you're right in that area, and, and, and I was wrong, and I'm sorry, and thanks for bringing it to my attention. And, and now we learn that we're all fallen people, we're all learning to follow Christ, and that humility is a, a value we embrace in this family. And, and that, you see what I'm saying? And, it's just, it's, and so can we learn from our kids? Um, here's another one. Can you learn from friends? Let me ask you this question. Do you have people in your life that you've given permission to that they can speak into your life? That if they ever see anything in their life uh, that, that they're concerned with, they think you're on the wrong path, you're in the wrong priorities, you're entering in that wrong relationship. There's, we're not talking about little nit, nitpicky things, but just there's something significant that, that they're concerned about. Do you have people in your life who you've given permission to to speak into your life? I think we should all have people that feel that freedom. And it'd be a great thing to give them the freedom, not make them take it, but just to give them that freedom. How about your boss at work, your, your, your coworkers? Are you open to critique from them? You know, here's an important thing about critique or correction is that sometimes uh, we think that a person has to have it all together before they can see an area where we need to grow. But the reality is it's not true, that sometimes our critics are not fair Sometimes they'll say a lot of things about us that aren't true, but we always need to be looking for that seed of truth. Is there anything in this criticism, this, this, you know, this U-Haul that just kind of, kind of backed up and dumped on me, is there anything in there that is true? E- even if this person's a really unreliable person. You know, so for example, you, you may have a, a, the worst boss in the world. I mean, he's got the plaque on the wall, you know, worst boss of 2010. You know, he's like, he won the award. Uh, a jerk of the year, five-star jerk. Yeah. Um, and, but, but you know what? Uh, and that may be true, but you know, last week we talked about the importance of work, ethic, work ethic. And if you have a problem there, work ethic, that boss may still see that and call you on it. And it's so easy just to write it off and like, well, what are you? You're the worst boss, blah, 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 without asking the question, but is it true? Is it, yeah, yeah, he is a horrible boss or she's a horrible boss, but, but is it true about me, you see? And so are, are we open to criticism from other. Of course, we can go on and on here, uh, uh, colleagues, uh, your life group, and so on, but, but are you open? And, and so give yourself a score, zero to five. Uh, you don't have to let anyone see it, just for between you and, and God. Uh, you can even write like stick figures for the numbers they can't figure out and cover over some of them. Um, number two, uh, how open are you to correction from God? The second question is, is how open are you to correction from God? And we've seen that God loves us, and as a father, he will bring correction into our life, sometimes directly through his word, sometimes through his spirit, sometimes indirectly through hard times. But, but when that correction comes in your life, are you open to correction from God? Or when God corrects you for your word, do you stick your fingers in your ear and say, I don't want to hear that. I just don't want to hear that. I, like, I want that relationship uh, I don't, I don't want to hear that's not the right relationship for me. Or I, I, I don't want to hear that, that I need to forgive that person. Uh, they've hurt me. I'll forgive anyone else, but I will never forgive that person. And so, uh, God, just go, let's, let's work on something else because I'm not budging on this one. Or finances, I'm not going to change the way I spend my money. This is where, or we could go on and on, but when God is speaking, uh, do, do, you, do the fingers go in the ear or do we, uh, do we listen to his discipline? You know, it's interesting. There in your note sheet, this is first from Proverbs again. We looked at, my son, don't despise the Lord's discipline. Don't resent his rebuke. Uh, that we have a choice when God is rebuked. How do we respond? There's a great story in the Old Testament. The opening scenes from the book of Genesis. There's a man named Cain. And Cain is very uh, jealous and angry at his brother. 
And uh, God comes to him and gives him one of those direct works of rebuke. Direct, he, he had a direct word of warning. He comes to Cain and he says, Cain, uh, these emotions that you have in your heart are going to destroy you. And he says that it's like, a, it's like there's a, a, like a wild beast outside your door just waiting for you to open the door, and they're going to eat you alive. And if you do not control and master your emotions, uh, your hatred for your brother, it's going to ruin your life and his life. And so God warns him out of his love. God loves Cain. He warns him. But what does Cain do? He blows it off. He despises the rebuke. He rejects the rebuke. He rejects the correction. So what does he do? He ends up going and killing his brother. And then on top of that, uh, he, he's now not only killed his brother and ruined his life, but he's ruined his own life. And he becomes an exile and a wanderer now that, that he loses his own family. And he's going to have to go away from his extended family. And so God comes into our life and he brings uh, this, these words of rebuke and correction. In your life, are you responding to that? How do you respond? Uh, in hard times, do you allow that to turn you to bitterness? It's really easy when we're going through hard times to get bitter against God and to say, you don't love me because you've allowed this in my life. And we resent that rebuke, not understanding that hard time is sent not because God doesn't love us, but because he does to shape our character at a core level. So at a scale of one to five, how do you, how do you rate there in terms of your responsiveness to God? Now, uh, so as we wrap this up, here's what I want to do. Let's, let's kind of let's put, put a cap on everything we've learned today, and then I want to get some chance to respond to God. Uh, so what we've learned, there's a path to life, path to death. Every one of us in this room at times will get off the path to life and on the path to death, sometimes by choice, sometimes inadvertently, a blind spot. When we do that, God will bring discipline, correction into our life. It'll be through people. It may be directly through his word, through his spirit, indirectly through hard times. He'll bring this in to get our attention, to bring us back to the path of life. And so the key to our success, the key to our future, the path of life, is how we respond. And so, so as we wrap this up now, I want to give you a chance to really process that with God. Because my hunch would be that, that all across this room, that there's many of us who are really doing some serious uh, uh, soul searching right now. We're, we're thinking back on times when someone did bring rebuke and we didn't respond and the price that we paid for that. We're thinking through maybe a work situation right now or a marital situation or our kids or thinking through some situation where, man, God's speaking to us right now and he's calling us to a new level of sort of surrender and, and openness to correction. And so we want to end with a time of worship. We're going to be taking our offering with a couple songs we're going to be singing. And, and the first song is the song, Beautiful Things, that we've been learning, that how God takes, uh, the, takes our life of dust and he transforms us into beautiful things. But catch this, he can only do that if we're open to his correction, right? And then we're going to sing the song, Arms Open Wide. We want to talk about being open to God's work and correction in our life. And so would you stand with me as they're going to lead us in prayer and then we're going to go right into worship together. God, we come before you as your people, your church. We thank you for Jesus and what he's done in our life, his death and resurrection that makes all things new. And yet, Lord, we, we realize there's so many areas for us to grow, and, and we've learned today that a key to our growth is learning to be open to your correction. And so, God, as we worship now, as we give you our offerings now, we just want to be open to your spirit, to whatever he wants to say. Would you come and speak would you encourage, would you challenge, would you heal and help us to surrender a little bit more to your leadership and being open to correction so we might walk with you in the path of life and truly be transformed from something made of dust into a beautiful thing. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. And that's our desire, isn't it, that he would have his way. You know, when a man or woman comes to Christ, uh, not only are we forgiven for all crimes committed against the king, enter this new relationship, but God becomes our father. And because he's our father, he sends the spirit of his son into our life who begins to live and mold and change us from the inside out. But, but we still bring our brokenness with that, right? We still, we, we still bring our baggage 
And, and as Christ's followers, we're on this path to becoming like Christ. But today we've learned a key ingredient of that. A key ingredient is that we would humble ourselves and be willing to submit to his correction because this is how he shapes us and changes us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, and so I'd like to ask you to do something. If you're not able to do this for health reasons, you can just take a seat. But, but if you're able to do this, I'd like you to join me on our knees before God. Because one of the, um, kind of the subtitle of this whole message is the mark of a wise man or a wise woman is humility. That, that without humility, we can't really grow. And the reality is, probably for most of us here, we struggle with this at times, that, that we struggle with receiving correction from others or from even God. Sometimes it's because we feel like we have to perform for God. And if we admit that we're not perfect, that somehow he won't love us. We've not really received and em- embraced his grace of the cross. Sometimes it's because there's an arrogance in our life. Sometimes uh, it's because we, we think that the wise person is a person who's got it all together and we're afraid to admit that we don't. But we've learned today that as followers of Jesus, we're in a process of being transformed and that that a key ingredient is humility, being willing to let each other speak. And so wouldn't it be awesome in our church as we move into this fall season of life groups, wouldn't it be awesome as a church that if we embraced a new paradigm of maturity, that a mark of maturity is we're open to each other to speak into each other's lives? And wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if that became fairly normative around here, that, that just, you know, not in any offensive way or superior way or condemning way, but that we would feel that freedom to speak into each other's lives. And because of it, we'd grow so much faster. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? You know, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so let's pray that God would pour out a spirit of uh, poverty in our hearts, that we would be truly poor in spirit, and therefore we'd be able to enter into his kingdom in new ways. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to mark this day and this message by bowing before you, acknowledging that you are Father, that we are your children, and that we desperately need your correction, and we repent and turn from those times where you've sent it through a person, through a situation, through your word, and we've not listened. We've resented it. We've rebelled against it. We've not not been open. And God, we learned today that the mark of a wise person is a willingness to be corrected. And so we pray for a new spirit of humility in our church. And we pray especially as we go into our life groups that these will be life-giving groups where we could love and encourage and challenge, but at times, correct. And that because of it, we'd all grow together. So we pray your spirit would be on our church as we go in this fall. We'd be growing in humility and, and growing in the path of life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together. A little harder getting up than going down. Huh? Like, uh, <laughs> hey, give me a hand. Uh, right. Maybe I need to get that membership out to that gym that I never go to. <laughs> hey, may the Lord bless you. It's just good to be together, isn't it? Just be good to be together each weekend, to gather and worship in his presence, uh, to be around his word, to learn together, to grow. It's just so good. It's good to be on our knees, isn't it? It's good to be there before God. And so may the Lord be with you this week, and may he be your strength, and may he be your strong tower. May he be a father to you who disciplines you of his incredible love and graciousness and only at the right times. And may you be open to receive that, whether that discipline comes through others, whether it comes through his word, whether it comes through his spirit, or through hard times. And in the process, may you walk the path to life. You know, next weekend, we're going to continue this series, and uh, next week, great topic, Proverbs says that one of the keys to walking the path of life is one that we often think is very mundane. It's our finances. <laughs> wow, someone's excited. Yeah, that's, that's good. It's just so true. You know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, divorces in our country that typically the number one or two issue in most marriages is, is finances. And, and finances is one of those areas when our finances are out of whack, they just create stress in our life, stress in our relationships, and distraction from our spiritual life, our walk with God. And so 
Solomon's really big on this. If you're going to walk with God in the path of life, then you, you have to get control of your finances. And the great thing is he just gives some great advice on how to do that. So I hope you can be with us as we continue this journey together. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For lead pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.